Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your presence in this place, God. I pray over our people today that that, those words that we were just singing, that that's not just words that's up on a screen, but instead that's a, that's a posture of our heart. That's the posture of our heart. God, I pray as we start into a new year, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity out before us, God. I pray that it starts with us saying, I'm gonna build, I'm gonna build my life on you. You are so worthy. God, we stand in awe of your presence, God. Stand in awe of your presence. In your holy name we pray. Can we just give God some good praise this morning? Yes, Jesus, you alone are worthy. Man, I feel the presence of God in this place. Listen, you could be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us well, leading us well. It feels weird not playing with the worship team, but you know what? We got some new people, and, and, and we've got like a full band, and so it's like, hey, man, I get to just focus on preaching this week, so what's up with that? And it was weird sitting in the front row because I'm like, I feel like I should have a guitar. Next time, I'm just going to hold a guitar. That's what we'll do. Next time, I'll just hold a guitar in the front row, and we'll just go like that. You know, maybe that will help me not be so left out. Amen? That's so funny. Can you just picture me just standing in the front row, just staring awkwardly? Yeah, yeah. Too many people said yes, so I don't appreciate that. We'll talk after service. Um, listen, man, I got a word for y'all today. Listen, God has just been burning this word in me, and I believe it's going to be powerful. I believe it's a good word for us as we start the new year. And listen, we ended worship in the posture that I kind of wanted us to be in, right? In, in the, I will build my life. I will, I will put my trust in, in that posture and in that, in that mindset and in that heart condition. That's where I wanted us today. Because listen, here's what I believe that God is going to do today. I believe that God is going to show us some things that you can do now. But see, here's, here's the deal. A lot of people, before they start like big things in their life, right, they, they spend time praying and, and seeking after God, which you should. But the thing that I'm going to tell you today, the things that I'm going to share with you today, you can get right to work today doing it. Amen. It's stuff that you can do. Listen, I promise you God's going to be okay with it. It's stuff that you can do today, and it'll make a big change in your life. I believe that this morning. And so we're going to be starting off in Psalm 139. If you have your Bibles, we'll be going to Psalm 139. And listen, if you don't have your Bibles, no worries. It will be on the screen. It will be on the nice screen behind me online. It'll be on the screen there as well. Listen, so this psalm is written by David. And David wrote a lot of the Psalms. He's a gifted musician, right? He, he was skilled. He, he was a worshiper. Wor wor worshiper? That's a new one. Let's write that one down. I think that's going to be the word, worshiper. Um, so he was a worshiper, and he loved writing worship music. And so he wrote this, and it's just an amazing psalm. But a little bit about King David, like I said, he, he wrote a lot of the Psalms, and if you've been in church for like 35 seconds, you've probably heard of David, right? Like, you, we start kids off early with David, right? We teach them about David and Goliath, you know, so maybe you've heard, maybe you've heard of King David. Either way, you've probably heard of David. He is one and the same, and so I'm going to give you a couple of his highlights, when he was young, he was a shepherd boy, again, skilled musician, skilled hunter, and he was anointed king, 
right? He slayed a giant. That's amazing. As a boy, he slayed a giant with a rock. And then listen, he cut his head off. How gangsta is that? Like, listen, can you imagine? So, so I play this game on, on the computer. It's like a little paintball game. It's so stupid. It's just to kind of, you don't have to think about it. But in this game, it, you basically, you're playing paintball in this computer. Can you imagine what this field of battle looks like? For days, this giant has been just, just giving it to the, the army of Israel, right? And they're terrified. And then this dude, this boy comes out. He's not wearing any armor. And he takes a rock and he hits him so hard. The Bible says the rock sunk in to his head. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Okay? You know, listen, like, I'm a big fan of, of Passion of the Christ. I just personally love being able to look at the Bible come alive. It's just, I like movies. I like uh, entertainment. I like media. And so to see that vividly come alive, you know, it, it's like when I watched Passion of the Christ, I was like, man, that is what I pictured the crucifixion being like. I want to see David and Goliath. Yeah. I want to see a dude get hit with a rock. But then he just chops his head off. Y'all pray for me. (laughs) So he slayed a giant. He was a powerful king. The Bible says that when he would play worship, before he was uh, king, he would play worship for the king at the time, and the, the evil spirits would leave because he was playing worship. He was a gifted hunter. He was a gifted, gifted uh, army man. What? Army man? That's such a weird, I, I lost my word. It happens sometimes, guys. Um, but he, he was a gifted soldier. Here, here's the deal. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And so David, there, there's a reason why David has talked a lot about in church. And one of the things I love most about King David and David's life is if you look at it, it's just a little bit differently than a lot of the other Old Testaments and how they related to God. So the Old Testament and and how they relate to God, there was a lot of laws, but David was different. He had a different relationship with with God. And so he wrote this Psalm, Psalm 139. We're going to start at verse 1. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I am far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me and too great for me to understand. Now, as I'm reading this, first of all, you start to see the character of God, right? You start to see who God is, but you also get a peek at the character of David. This is written by someone who has complete confidence in their God. You know, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, this is coming from someone who knows this God. This is coming from someone who has a relationship with this God. There is just something that comes off the page when you read that. He is not just writing a worship song so that he can get it out by the end of the year for his church. He is writing an intimate worship uh, song about a God who is very personal to him. And listen, he's not just saying that he listens to you. He's not just saying that God pays attention to you. He's not just saying that God knows you. He says that he intimately knows you. And then he goes on to just further cement that point and and how God knows uh, his his creation and how wonderful that creation is. We've all probably read this psalm and it's amazing, but it comes from a place of confidence in who God is. And you have to understand in that time, pagan gods were, were evil or mischievous or at best they, they, they just didn't care about humans. 
right? And so gods were not personal. They, people would not have understood their God as being personal. And so what David is saying here is my God, Yahweh, he knows me. He cares enough to know each and every one of us and know everything about me. Listen, he, he, he's saying he doesn't just know everything. He doesn't just know everyone. He knows everything about everyone. It, it, it's ju not just that God is everywhere, but God is everywhere with us. It's not just that God created everything. He created us, and he created us with a plan and a purpose in mind. And so that's what David is saying here. And then he continues on, and we're going to pick up later on. And, and, and this is that posture that I was talking about. David takes this posture in Psalm 139 verses uh, 23 through 24. And I think it's a great one for us to take this morning, just to be honest with you. I think it's kind of where we were landing the, 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 the plane at worship it, it, with this posture. And that posture is... Um, Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious ways. 24, listen, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of, ever, the path of everlasting life. Listen, now we read this and we know that David was talked about being a man after God's own heart. And we, we've talked about his highlights and the powerful thing. And we think about how often David just comes up in a conversation about godly things, right? And so it's, it's easy to get in the mindset that David was just killing it. Now, I know that when I was a uh, younger Christian and when I was growing up in church, I remember hearing stories about David, and I was like, dude, he is the guy, you know? Why? I mean, this, this is nuts. This guy's it, you know? Just this shiny example of perfection, right? Because that's often where my mind went, at least. I don't know if you're like me. Maybe you're not. Maybe, maybe you're like, I don't know David. I just know that the Bible has a bunch of good stuff about him. But with me, I start thinking that, man, David was just killing it. But you see, I left out a highlight out of that, out of his life. You see, as much as David was known for being a skilled worshiper, and a skilled hunter, and a great king, and a giant slayer. He was also known for another story that sounds like something out of true crime. Yeah. Now, um, he was at home rather than leading his people in battle. And he saw a woman bathing. Bathsheba, which can I just take a minute? I didn't live in ancient Israel. Maybe take a bath indoors. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Try that first, and then maybe we'll see where things go. Um, but nonetheless, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And uh, so I, I, I got I to gotta tell this story. Pastor Josh will appreciate this. We used to work for this man named Tony Hart. Tony Hart is such a great guy. If you, if you know Tony Hart, he's just a great human being. He's funny. He's generous. He's smart. It's just, he's just one of those people. I'm lucky to know him. Lucky to work for him. Lucky to have the, the time that I had. But I learned a lot from him, and I saw a lot. Listen to me, church. Just in my stories, I could probably keep y'all going for a couple hours, you know? And so what we did is we did property preservation. So we would take foreclosed houses and we'd do everything from change the lock when they went into foreclosure all the way to fixing them up to get them ready to be sold. And I would even go in and change the locks on some of them after they were sold. And so that was my job. And I worked my way up to where I was just going in and taking possession of the house, which means I was going in, changing the locks. Then we had other crews that went in, they cleaned it. We had paint crews, so forth, so on. 
okay? So I was changing the locks, and I was training someone, and we were driving down this dirt road. Now, this dirt road was in Temple. This is important for you to know this because you will understand if you know anything about Temple. Secondly of all, if you live in Temple, or this might be maybe your Paul, you need to call him after church and tell him he needs to get his life straight, okay? So... Um, now, when I tell you dirt road, you're going to think this is in the middle of nowhere. No, 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 no. This is just a random dirt road in Temple that's in the middle of a bunch of neighborhoods. It looks like this, this little dirt road existed, and they built, like, modern temple around it, you know? And so it's this little house, and we're driving. It's cold. Driving. Driving slow, dirt road. I see this guy. He's in a metal trash can. And he's got one of those loofahs on a sticks, and he. <laughs> so, of course, we're just like. And so I have a buddy of mine that was working with me, super inappropriate. Just gonna put that out there. So he rolls down his window and he goes, "Yeah, you know, it's just super inappropriate." The guy gets up. Now, first of all, I don't think you're getting it. Metal trash can. Oscar the Grouch metal trash can, okay, <laughs> just to set that. Like, I didn't even know these things were real. <laughs> you know, it's like the trash cans you see in New York in the 80s. That's this trash can. So he's, and it's cold, whatever. Whatever led to that, this is what's happening. So we're driving. He stands up. He takes the loofah, and he starts singing, and he starts going, as we pass. Now, I don't know about you, church, but I bathe like most of America. So did this guy. Now, I'm not going to go any further than that, but just know if you bathe normally, then you bathe like this guy somewhat inside. Now, I tell you this, not because it has anything to do with my story, but because at the end of today, when you're eating all your food and you're tired, you're about to go into your nap, you're going to think about that door that I just left you into the sermon, right? You're going to remember that because I promise I remember this. I could pick him out in a police lineup, you know, like when you see that, you just don't see that very often. So you'll remember that. So remember that at lunch today when... Uh, you know, anyway. So Bathsheba ended up pregnant. I don't need to tell y'all how that happened, right? Good, good, all right. Um, and so David planned a cover-up. He planned to have the husband come and be with his wife before they went off into battle again, but the husband was too honorable. And so that cover-up failed. And so now David did, listen, I'm telling you, true crime. He had the guy killed in battle. He actually had the army pull back away from the guy. Could you imagine? He didn't do anything wrong. Didn't do anything wrong. And, and, and David just wanted something for himself, and he went this low. Now, that's a big deal, but hear me out, church. Don't ever tell me that God can't use you because of your past again. You know, because this is a big thing. I, I've done some crazy stuff. Never killed my best friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but here's the deal. When David was confronted with this sin, you go and you see this shift because you go from thinking, man, David was just a, a really perfect, like, good model for what it means to have a relationship with God to seeing that, that this is really why he was a man after God's own heart. He repented and he gave us this powerful psalm. And we're just going to pick up two verses in it. But it's Psalm 51. We're going to read from verses 10 and verses 12. Verses 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. And then in verse 12, listen to this. He says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I love that. I've loved that verse as long as I can remember. I memorized this verse in Power Source as a very young adult. 
before I was a youth pastor, before I was a youth leader, really, I memorized this. And I remember thinking, how cool the joy of your salvation. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, David not just has confidence in who his God is, but he also understood his relationship with God. He understood it in a deeper level, right? He understood that salvation was not this burden of behavior modifications and different ways of trying to, to earn stuff and working into right relationship with God. He understood that he couldn't, just like we can't. Listen to me, church. We can't do that. And even if you could, voice crack, it happens. I'm on it. I'm on it. We all heard it. Even if you could, that thing with Bathsheba ruined that. Ruined it. Like, that's hard to come back from. You know what I mean? That's hard to come back from. But David knew that he was in a relationship with God and that transformation came out of that closeness. And so in, in Psalm 51, in that verse 12, he actually says, make me willing to follow your leading. Some, some different translations say, make me willing to obey, make me willing to follow you. But the idea is very clear. He's saying, you know, my willingness and my ability comes out of my closeness. He understood that he didn't have ability. And listen, this is King David. He had ability. <laughs> he had ability, but he understood it came out of that closeness. And so David welcomed God to search his heart and, and welcomed God to restore that joy and restore the joy of changing them. Now listen to me. I can tell you that when you have something that big, David had to repent for it. He had to come clean for it. Right, and we know the story, and, and we know kind of how all that happens. But what I love about it is he 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 almost welcomes it. When you read Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That's somebody that understands their salvation in a different way. He welcomed that change. He welcomed God to search him. He welcomed God to be close with him. And see, the more I started thinking about that, the more I started thinking that perhaps maybe that's why David is a man after God's own heart. Because if you go just start at the beginning of the Bible, pick anywhere and read it, you'll find story about God wanting to be with man. God creating man to have relationship God doing whatever it took to restore that relationship. And that's the story. And so David is saying that, hey, I welcome that. I welcome the God of all of that to search me, to point out the things that, that offends him because I know he is a good God. I know he is a God of change. I know he is a God that, that is faithful. And you see, I'm convinced that we'll never get to the place where we can ask God to search us and reveal the things in us that offend him if we never really understand the joy of our salvation. See, what if, what if this year we start to welcome God to search our hearts? We start to welcome God to reveal the things in us that he wants to change. You know, have we ever done that? Can I ask you in your relationship with God, or have you tried to find it? Have you tried to find it? Because here's what I know. Um, when you start asking God to search you, and you start asking God to reveal stuff in you, he will. Here's what I also know. If he's going to reveal it, don't you know that he'll, that he'll tell you how to get rid of it? He'll give you the way. So what if this year, what, what if rather than spending our energy uh, fighting against the things that we fight against, what if we build the church? What if we draw close to him and build the church this year? Right? What if we realize that we're not strong enough to fight for our own worthiness, that somebody's already done that, and we build our church? Return to me the joy of your salvation. I love this because we don't have to carry that burden. We don't have to carry the burden of our own sin. We can exist in close relationship with him. 
because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has said, he said, you don't have to get rid of your sin before you come to me. Come to me. I'll do that. I'll do that for you. Just come to me so we can exist in close relationship. That is unburdening. That is just unburdening. If it's not, man, I pray that God will show you that. That God will show you the joy of your salvation today because that is a great unburdening. And speaking of unburdening, so y'all know what it's like to do like a deep clean of something. Uh, some people call it spring cleaning, cleaning out your garage, cleaning out your attic, doing just a deep clean. Doesn't it just make you feel better? Like, have you ever noticed that when your house is really, really clean, you feel like you can breathe easier? You know what I mean? It's just, it, you, you, you're, you're in a better space. You're in a better mindset. You're in a better place. Well, the same thing is said when we start cleaning up other areas of our life. Yeah. So Christmas, we had an awesome Christmas and our kids are kind of at that age where they're starting to play with their toys and they don't necessarily need us to be right there with them anymore. Praise him. Praise him. <laughs> Praise him. So um, they had their toys playing, playing with their toys. Lila got a makeup vanity. And, dude, she's all about it. All about it. And so she got all this stuff. She's playing princess. Judah's playing with his games. We got him a Monopoly, like a Mario Monopoly board game. We've played that. It's just been a blast. But Monday, after Christmas, we were like let's clean up, like really clean up. And so we hit the toy rooms and we had several boxes of just broken toys or old toys that our kids don't play with anymore or, or, or stuff like that. And when it was done, everything looked nice. We had a place for all the new toys. It was all, and, and what? I looked at you and I said, man, this is therapeutic, isn't it? This is great. And so we just kept going. And we cleaned all day. And when it was all said and done, it was like, man, I feel so accomplished. You know, that feeling is pretty much uh, around the board. When we do something like that, we pretty much get that feeling. Um, and so here's kind of where my mental space has been the last couple of years. I am a, I, I do work for the church, but um, our pastor is awesome enough to let me work remotely from home because um, I've been the stay-at-home parent for most of my kids' lives. And so they've had it worked out. So I work from home. So I technically a stay-at-home dad. Um, and so it, <laughs> it was a learning, learning curve, quite, quite for sure. It was a learning curve. And so as I've been cleaning and as I've been doing this stuff, I've noticed how really it just really does feel good. And I've got to see how doing this kind of stuff. And so what I've done is I've started getting into like satisfying videos. And uh, I don't do like a lot of, uh, I don't do a lot of social media, but I do a lot of these satisfying videos. And so it's like a lot of different things. So. Maybe it's somebody doing their job really good. And I know that sounds so boring, but like there's like 20 video or a, a video of 20 people doing their job amazing. And it's just people when they're like in a kitchen and they're really good at cutting up stuff and it's just amazing. Or like one of my favorites is this painter and it's just, I'm a painter or was a painter for many, many years as a profession. And I'm pretty good at painting. If I could toot my own horn, I do think I'm good at painting, but I am not this guy. This guy's like, and I'm just like, how is this guy doing it? He's not using tape. And so I got into that, and then I got into like these woodworking projects and wood turning and stuff like that. And then I realized how expensive it is. I'm like, I'm never going to find that hobby. <laughs> Amen. That's not God's calling on my life. Um, and so I started uh, watching these videos, and there is this uh, whole community of people that buys Air Force Ones, which are shoes, and most of the time they're white, and what they'll do is they'll customize them, and so they paint them, and they dye them. Dude, I'm telling you, 
hours <laughs> I've watched these videos. And so what that led into is these deep cleaning videos. Have you seen these? Yes, okay. So these deep cleaning videos, dude, maybe it's like they're pressure washing a truck that's got six inches of mud. Maybe it's a rug that's black and they're trying to restore it. It's insane, but my favorite are, are two. So for those of y'all that don't know, my last name, Brown, that is the same Brown of Brown's Pools. I grew up around pools a lot, saw how to clean them, know a pretty good bit about them. And so there's this one guy and his whole thing is he goes to these nasty swamp looking pools and he gets them back nice. And he posts the whole video. He walks up, you know, there's Kermit. He's sitting over there on a lily pad. And, you know, there's a floating squirrel and all this stuff. And the next thing you know, this water is perfectly crystal clear. And then he always, I always think it's so cool. He takes one of those little floating chemical buckets, puts some shock in it, and just, pff, and that's how he ends his videos like that. I just love it. I think it's cool. And then the other one is this guy, and he's a car detailer. And he will go and he'll get cars from junkyards that aren't like totaled and messed up. And the way he gets these things clean, I say he like it's one dude. There's just one guy doing this. You should look him up. No, this is a whole community of like things on the internet. But watching these videos, first of all, I want to know where I can get that vacuum and that steam cleaner. Because it is absolutely amazing. I watched one the other day and I'm like, man, that seat doesn't look all that dirty. Oh, it's gray. You know, it was so muddy that it looked tan, you know? And so when he started steam cleaning it, it was, it was gray. And so I've been, I've been watching those and it's just so satisfying to watch. But listen to me. One of the most frustrating things about these videos is if you wanted to get into any of this stuff, you couldn't by watching these videos. And here's why, because they show you step by step what they do, but they don't actually show you how they do it. They don't show you what they use. They don't show you the chemicals. Listen, I don't know what chemical they spray on these cars, dude. They'll spray chemicals. I mean, you'll have like the gear shifter will be black. They'll spray it and the next thing you know, it's, it's like, oh wow, that was tan. And this was hand grub, you know? And so it's amazing, but they never tell how it happens. Or when I'm watching the pool videos, you know, he puts the chemicals in, but he never shows what it is. He shows what it does, but he never really shows how long it takes. And so you're getting all these videos that are really good to watch, but you don't know how to do it. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to give you two practical things that you can start today. Listen, I can just go ahead and tell you, now I'm going to cheat, because when I start going through these two things, you'll realize there's more. But that's okay, because in an outline, you have like numbers, and then you have the sublet, so two points. Don't be judging me. All right, so we got two practical things that you can do. Listen, this is stuff that, that you can do today. You don't have to pray. You don't have to fast. You don't have to, to seek after God. These are all good things that you can start doing today to grow yourself closer with God and to give your soul and your life a deep clean. Amen? Because here's the deal. When we start talking about New Year's, like we're going to talk about this. Everybody talks about it. Even if you're tired of talking about it, you're like, I'm not going to do New Year's resolution. It's still a new year. You still have that like, oh, this is a new thing. This is a, this is a, a newness. And so it's really good to start off with that pushing you into a different area. You have momentum. And so that's why we talk about this stuff oftentimes, it's because you don't have to create momentum at the beginning of the year. It's there. But here's where people lose the momentum is oftentimes they spend their time with God fighting against the crap that God never told them that they had to worry about. God said, come to me, bring your sin to me, repent of your sin to me. And we fight against our issues all year. And we work ourselves to the bone all year. And so listen to me, church. If we're going to work at something this year, can we stop all that religious stuff? And, and can we work at the right thing? Can we work at some good things this year? Number one, 
build the church, build the church. Now, I say it like that's super easy. Can I just tell you it is? It is build the church. So what does this look like, Pastor Jeremy? Well, serving. Serving. Listen to me. If you're not serving, I want to encourage you to serve this year. Try it out. Try it out at an event. Try it out on a, you know, certain basis. Try it out this year. Find a place to serve. And if you're in here and you're like, I don't even know where I would begin to start to serve. Listen to me. What about our church is that thing you love? You have one. You have one, because I promise you nobody's sitting in here hating this church this morning. And I know we're all super spiritual and we're all like, well, God's called us here. No, come on. You have something about this church that you love. So what I want you to do is I want you to, to find that thing. And when you know that thing, when you know what that thing is, get involved there. Right? If you love the smiling faces up front that's holding the door, if you love the good coffee, if you love the energy of people waving as you pull in the parking lot, get involved there. Join our First Impressions team. Get involved there. It just takes time to hold a door and wave at people and smile. Yeah? Um, if you love our e-kids, get involved in our e-kids. I can tell you, kids, there's a lot of kids, and our church is growing, which means more kids. We need a safe place for our kids to go because as we grow, that kids area has to be the safest place in this church. So we need people. We need people over there. Um, you have teenagers, e-students. Listen to me, parents, serve with your kids. Serve with your kids. Um, I got saved when I was about 14. Um, I had a very, uh, very powerful time with God through like 14 to about 18. And uh, some stuff happened and I didn't fall away from God, but I just wasn't as close to God as I was, you know, when I was younger. But when I was young, a, a younger teenager, man, God got a hold of me and he got a hold of my friends and, and we got on fire for God. We started telling people about Jesus. We started growing our youth group. Our church started growing. Um, we built friendships that I still have to this day. And I mean, made memories that, that I'll never forget. And honestly, the foundations of my Christianity and my relationship with God, with God was laid during those years. And there was a man and his wife, I say man, his wife as well, but I was really close with him. You know, I didn't have a dad growing up, so I just kind of, you know, gravitated towards him. And I loved him. His name was Kirk Bonds. Just one of the best. He wasn't a youth pastor. He wasn't even a pastor at all. He was just a guy that said, hey man, my kids are teenagers, so I wanna see their friends get saved and I wanna see them get involved. And so he said, I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna serve alongside with my kids. And man, I'm telling you, I can't even, even begin to express how much of a difference it made. Man, serve with your kids. Serve with your kids. Our production team, we need people with the heart to learn and serve. Amen? Listen, we also need worshipers because what they do back there, they have to know what we do up here. They have to be familiar with worship. They have to love to worship because that's what they're doing back there. See, it's easy to just think, oh, they're putting words on the screen, but they're not. They're worshiping with us along with that song and they're facilitating your worship by putting words up there. And so you can get involved there, especially if you have the heart to worship. If you're a musician or a worshiper, come see me. Come see me. We want people to serve because listen, that's what we're called to do is build the church. We're not called to build all the crap that we spend our time building but we're called to build a church. We're, we're called to build his kingdom, right? Um, 
One of the things, one of the biggest things that we want is when we're in here, like everything that translates in here, we want to translate online. So we want live sound mixing. We want, we want someone who makes that their baby so that it translates that. So the people that are watching our live broadcast isn't just watching like TV, but they feel like they're part of what we're doing in here. But we need you. Amen? Another thing that you can give, uh, another thing that you can do is start to give. Listen, we have a generous church, generous people. But listen to me, church, if you haven't started taking that, that step in your faith yet, can I encourage you to? Because there is one place in the Bible where God says, feel free to test me, and it's in giving. Test him. It's an easy step into going deeper into trusting God because he's telling you to test him. He's telling you what happened. He's telling you how it all works out. And you know what? Out of all the years of ministry that, that I've been in, all the people I've known, all the people I've talked to, I've never met a single person that decided to test God in that and regretted it. I've never met a single person that decided that they were going to get a heart of generosity and just give like no one before that ever regretted it. And I've never met anyone that, that honestly, that, that prayed and sought after God and, and gave that really ever had a problem with anything. I mean, if God can feed you magic bread from heaven, I'm sure that he can take care of you. So take that step in your faith journey. You know what? I can line this stage with people. Some people started doing this last year. Pastor Josh preached a, a whole series on giving and, and the heart behind giving and the heart behind our church and, and stuff like that. It was amazing. I encourage you to check it out because a lot of people started giving then because they finally understood it. They finally understood. Go back and listen to those messages. Listen, if you're worried about what our church does with your money, see me after service. Me and Pastor Josh will take you out to our vehicles, and you will no longer wonder about that. You know? You know? Yeah. No, we do not have nice vehicles. Um, so, listen. Give. Because there's a lot we want to do in the community, and there was a lot we were able to do last year because we weren't hindered anymore. Yes. And what would a church look like if it was no longer hindered? What would your life look like if it was no longer hindered? Curious. All right. Another thing you can do is invite. This one's really easy easy way to grow the church. Invite people. If they say yes, they'll come. Good. If they say no, who cares? You do not have to wear that burden. If they come and they don't accept Jesus, you don't have to deal with that. Jesus did the deep work. Jesus did the deep work. So invite people to church, right? Now, I remember one of the things that led to me uh, ending up at this church is in 2002, I met a friend that constantly, constantly invited me. And I was just, I, I kind of had a, a weird experience towards the end of, of my time in youth group and, and stuff like that. It had nothing to do with my church. It was, it was my life. Um, so weirdness, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't away from God, but I wasn't super close with God. And I was like, I just don't want to come. I'm just not ready yet. And so finally, they were like, listen. And I went with them to shut them up, and God radically impacted my life. Radically impacted my life. Reminded me of the, the track that I was on when I was younger. Reminded me of the calling in my life. Reminded me of all the stuff that he had done, all the, all the things that I'd seen him be faithful in. And he healed me of the stuff that was going on in my life then. All because someone invited me. All because someone invited me. <laughs> and then the last one for build the church is be discipled. Be discipled. Listen, 
at our church, discipleship is huge. We try to build it into everything we do. Even building this stage, we were discipling. We were, we were building our friendships. We were building our, our, our relationships. We were building one another up. And we were building the church. One of the things that I know that we're going to do as a church is we're going to reach our community and we're going to discipleship people. So get involved. Take every opportunity to be discipled because we want to see you flourish. Not just on Sundays. We want to see you flourish in your everyday life. And then the second thing is I want you to take the posture of search me. Take the posture of search me. Now, I talked about this earlier, and I said that when you ask God to search you, he'll search you. When you ask God to point out stuff, he'll, he'll point it out. But I, I love the fact that when he does, it feels different. It feels different, right, than when we find it. Have y'all ever noticed that God handles our junk differently than we do? Because, listen, when David was confronted with his sin, he was told a story. And at the end of the story, he responded with anger and almost self-righteousness. Like, he knew what he did, but he was like, oh, kill him, you know? And then he found out it was about him. The same anger, the same disgust, is often the thing that we feel as our response to sin. When we have sin in our life, we feel that anger, we feel that disgust. But listen to me, church, it is devastating when you turn that inward. And I believe that there are so many people walking around and they're putting that inward. They have a savior that says, hey, come to me all you who are heavy burdened. Lay it down, but they carry it around because they're so disgusted and they beat themselves up because of the guilt and the condemnation. But listen, when David repented, when he wrote this psalm, as you read it, you can just see that he wasn't hoping that God would forgive him. He wasn't, he wasn't writing it like, hey, God, if you have a minute, hey, God, if you'll think about this for a minute, if you'll find it in your busy day to seek out the words of a sinner, he knew that God would restore him. He had a different hope that God would restore him. And you see, it, it, it it's the same thing that you kind of see as he talks about God later in his different psalms. You see that, that David just talked about God differently. And when we read Psalm 51, we read a, a, a prayer and, and, and a repentance from someone who knows that they'll be forgiven. Who knows that they'll be forgiven. So if you're in here today, I just want you to bow your heads close your eyes this morning. Listen, I believe that David being able to write Psalm 139 came from what he wrote in Psalm 51. He, he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And when that salvation was rejoiced, can I, uh, restored, can I just tell you, David did not have an easy life after that. He did not have an easy life after that, but it was different. And see, he was able to write what he wrote in Psalm 139 because of the posture he took in Psalm 51. And so as we just go into the next couple of minutes, Maybe that's, maybe that's you this morning. First of all, I like to never leave without giving people a chance to accept Jesus. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
Listen, it starts there. It starts there. So I want to just give you an opportunity. If there's anyone in this room that has not accepted Jesus, will you just look up at me? We're not going to spend a lot of time on here. I felt God's kind of pulling us to another direction. Okay. What I have been feeling surrounding this is that that maybe there's some people in here, maybe you're watching online and you're just like, man, I need that joy of salvation restored. Because you're, maybe you're in here and you're like, man, I'm close with God, but I don't feel like it's joy of salvation. I, I read my Bible and I pray and I have a relationship with God, but I'm beat up. And I'm asking him to restore the joy of my salvation. So what we're gonna do over the next couple of minutes is I want to challenge us to do what I said we were gonna do this morning. Pray about building the church. Pray that, that what God wants us to be able to do in this community, we're able to do it. Pray about what God would have you do in this church. But also pray with just open arms and say, God, search me. Find in me the things that are offensive to you and point them out, God, and make me willing. Make me willing. And so as the worship team leads us, that's what I want us to do. Maybe you want to come up front. Maybe you're feeling like, like you want to come up front and just lift your hands. That's okay if you want to just stay at your seat and pray. But I want to encourage you to start this new year off by doing that. Start this new year off by taking a different posture and saying, God, I'm not going to fight myself this year. I'm not going to fight against my sin this year. I'm not going to fight against the things that you have delivered me from. Instead, I'm going to grow close with you, and I'm going to trust that out of the outpouring of that relationship, there's going to be change and transformation that happens in me. And I... I want you to pray that by the end of this, we can have that same confidence that, that, listen, when you pray and ask God to search you, there is a very vulnerable spirit you have to take there of surrender. But I pray that we get to the place to where we could say that because we know God is a faithful God. So that's what I want us to do the next couple of minutes as we as we worship. Worship team, if you'll lead us back in to the presence of God, just spend time praying. I'll come up after a couple of minutes and I'll kind of walk us through the next couple of things, but spend a couple of minutes praying what God would have you do. Amen. What God would find in you.